0: Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Sirgan Carr. Before we get started on this episode, please remember to rate and subscribe to this podcast. It helps other people find it and leave a review. That would be wonderful. So, today I am speaking with my friend and producer, music collaborator, Ram Das Khalsa. Ram Das Khalsa is an amazing musician, producer, touring artist, he plays a whole bunch of instruments, he has amazing ideas, he is just a really cool person to hear from, he's had some life events and journeys that are heart-wrenching, and yet the way that he has handled them and the way that he navigates his life is truly awe-inspiring. So I know you guys are going to love this. And here we go.
1: Yeah, so we're just gonna we're just hopping right in. Just warning okay. you, <laughs> it's, Let's do it. it's rolling. Let's do it. Um, yeah. Uh, so, what are you working on right now? Do you want to talk about that?
2: Sure. So, I have um, I have a lot going on at the moment. Uh, last week I started tracking for Sonatum's new album okay it's really really exciting so we had the whole band here we did eight days straight um, wow the, the music is just beautiful um, and then she'll come back the whole band will come back uh, in the middle of February and we'll do overdubs and, and uh, more layering but it's really good it's really beautiful we co-wrote a lot of the material
1: and i'm
2: really excited about it and then um i have grayson and jai chun's debut album Uh, we tracked that and mixes are almost done we're on final mixes right now and it's beautiful and just a different feel entirely um the the cool thing about everything that I'm working on is that nothing is the same. They all have this common thread of mantra and and consciousness, but ultimately, you know, every project's different. And uh, I'm really happy with that. And then I have a project from a woman named Satsuk, who's from Miami. Okay. And that's brilliant too. We tracked that in a week and uh, we have some overdubs to do, but that's almost done too. So I've actually recorded like, four four albums in the past two months three months oh wow and wow. oh yeah and i have krishna cars album that's almost finished too so to say that i'm busy is an understatement
1: <laughs> well i appreciate you doing this
2: yeah i'm so happy to i'm happy to hear your voice again
1: yeah yeah it's nice to to catch up and then you know record it for other people to listen to <laughs> So. um I think I actually haven't seen you physically since on Fest last year, but I got to see you on TV. Oh after yeah, that.
2: <laughs> I played at the Grammys last yeah month or a year ago this month.
1: Yeah, that was so that was so exciting.
2: To it was see. really exciting.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it was exciting for you. It yeah,
2: was. to be perfectly <laughs> honest, this is a funny thing for me. It was the least nervous I've ever been for a performance.
1: Um, Why do you think that is?
2: Well, so, okay, so I've dealt with performance anxiety for as long as I can remember. And um, normally, really, the, the main performance anxiety for me that I've, I've figured out is it comes down to, like, fear of lack of preparation. Uh huh. And so there's some variable and, and lack of confidence in, in my own understanding of what I'm playing. And that that has translated to the performance anxiety in the past. For the Grammy performance, we were playing for, what, three minutes, which is way different from a normal two-and-a-half-hour or two-hour concert that I'm playing. Right. And I was playing clarinet, which is my, like, best-trained instrument. I've been playing that since I was in third grade. And vocals. So there was, like, the part was very clear. I knew exactly what I was going to play. I knew I was going to play it well. I knew I was going to sing it well, and so I just got to sit back and basically enjoy the cinematography. Because, uh, <laughs> You know, they were projecting our faces on these giant screens, and everything looked so beautiful, and everything everyone was so kind. So I just I had a really good time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That's great to hear. And that I bet like when when I so I sang with Sonatum a couple of times last year was it two years ago, last year, last year. And um, she like for, for the one, well, okay. When I did it in Phoenix, it was like, I was going to be singing with her for three songs and we rehearsed for like an hour, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I mean, she's a very well-prepared person. So I would imagine that she had you rehearse that song many times for, for that performance, or you know, you guys went and over it.
2: We we played it for the first time as a group the day before. The oh stage. wow! Um, so we had Jamshid Sharifi, who was the producer for the, the album. Uh huh. Um, you know, we hadn't played with him before. It was a new band for Sonatum. We had only actually played together as a band a couple times before. Like we did two one-off concerts on the East Coast. Um, at the end of 2018 and so we hadn't even gone on tour yet together so the good news is we're all like (laughs) musicians so we Uh were able to hop in and and really enjoy the ride but yeah we did like a three-hour rehearsal at Greco's house our guitarist's house in LA and you know it was it was a lot of preparation for three minutes but everything was mapped out
1: Right, right.
2: You know, they were, when it's for TV, it's, it's very, like, you have exactly this much time, and I actually had the music director for the whole operation calling me regularly, giving input about how to do the arrangement, and it was, oh. it was like, it was a whole coordination, uh, I don't know how, what you'd say about it. It was a lot. We, we did a lot of coordination for it. We rehearsed for three hours-ish we got to do two run throughs at the sound check the day before the performance. And then, you know, you get your three minutes and you're, mm-hmm. you're, done.
1: So, I mean, I'm just thinking like from knowing how songs can fluctuate in length, depending on, you know, the tempo you happen to start them at. Yeah. Um, did you like have a BPM that you played in your ears beforehand or like, did you just trust that you were going to, Nail it is three minutes.
2: Jamshed, so the, the tempo on the album was where we took it. And I think Jamshed had that tempo. I don't remember exactly how we did the tempo, but I know it was basically set. Okay. We played it enough that we knew what it was. That said, I had like a clarinet solo at the beginning that was improv and was out of time. So, um, it wasn't mine to pay attention to how they counted in.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that's and that's nice too when you're like, all right, this isn't in my hands. I'm yeah, just gonna yeah. play along. I'm not in charge.
2: Exactly. I wasn't band director or anything. I was just there to play a role, a support role, which I do really like doing. Like, I love production and leading, leading the pack. But at the same time, sometimes it's nice to just be able to show up and someone tells you what to do and know how to do it and have a good time. Like, there's, there's. Uh, joy in limited responsibility.
1: <laughs> I like that. Yeah, did are you going back on tour with Sonatum as band leader?
2: No, no, not as no. band leader. Okay. Like, we're, we're really collective. It's it's um sort of a benevolent dictatorship with a democratic influence. <laughs> you know, Sonatum really cares about what each of us have to bring to the table. Uh-huh. And I feel like we trust each other on a very deep level musically. So it's obvious if something's working or not working. And right. yeah, we do three days of rehearsals before each tour since it's been like generally a few months in between when we have played with each other. And we just go over a set list and map out how we're going to play each piece vaguely the structure because it, it changes every concert for sure, um, with the exception of a couple tracks. And yeah, we're we're rolling after that. And I'll actually be leaving for Portugal on March 9th for the next tour.
1: Oh, Portugal.
2: Yeah, we started in Lisbon.
1: And you're just doing Portugal or you said you're starting there?
2: Yeah, six weeks all through Europe. Um, Portugal, Spain, three cities in Germany, Copenhagen. We're going to uh, Ukraine. Bucharest, Romania, Tallinn, Estonia, Brussels, Zurich. We're going to a lot of places. Cool. Yeah.
1: For six weeks, you said?
2: Six weeks, I'll be gone.
1: Okay. And so is that like one show every other day kind of thing? or?
2: Pretty much. Um, it's normally been play a show, fly to the next city or drive to the next city, play the show the next day. So it's like travel, play, travel, play, travel, play. But I think it's mapped out this time where we get a day off each week, um, which will be really helpful for our health and (laughs) well-being.
1: Yes, indeed.
2: (laughs) Last tour, we had two days in the entire six weeks where we weren't either playing or traveling.
1: Wow. Well, if you have a... Mm -hmm. A free day in Copenhagen, I highly recommend Tivoli Gardens.
2: I, I am so excited to go back to Tivoli. I went there actually um, on the last tour. Copenhagen is <gasps> the one city that we're doing again from last year. Oh, okay. And, um, it was Interesting. pretty much my favorite city on the entire tour.
1: Yeah, why is that?
2: Um, good question. I think there's, there's an elegance to everything that they do in Denmark, pretty much. Mm. Available to the public and um, I mean what it's been rated as like one of the happiest places to live on the planet and you can tell it's just like there's there's something working there where people are genuinely happy and they're not working to survive mm-hmm. uh, so just the quality of living and um, I, I'm a foodie myself and we actually had one of the best meals of the entire tour in Copenhagen at a really great vegan restaurant.
1: Oh neat
2: gold leaf on things and made caviar, fake caviar out of truffles and it was it was ridiculously good. Wow. Um, So the food was a highlight. But but honestly it's just the the air I mean it's it's so clean. It's so beautiful and people were lovely. And, um, yeah, there was just nothing about it that was a letdown. It was, it was great.
1: That's so cool. Yeah. How did you get there?
2: Uh, we flew. Yeah, we flew. We and then, flew. yeah, got picked up at the airport.
1: We, and we had the craziest experience getting to Copenhagen. We went from Germany on a train from Hamburg. Right. The train boarded a cruise ship. <laughs>
2: What? <laughs> yeah. so could put trains on boats but that makes neither sense. did I
1: <laughs> and we didn't know it was gonna happen yeah. yeah it was it was amazing but the funniest part was they take the train all the way across this body of water that they need to we get we get to land and then we ride for like five more minutes and the train stops
2: <laughs> so weird and awesome I'm yeah working there and I have to say like Tivoli Gardens, my friends took me there after a concert. I went there during the day before the concert and then I went back at
1: night. Oh. And they
2: do like rock concerts regularly at the gardens. Yeah. So there was like a punk rock show that happened while I was playing my mantra concert with someone. <laughs> and we get there and all these young kids are letting out of the park. And a bunch of them are holding all the red cups for all the beer. Uh and it turns out that they incentivize cleaning up the park so if you bring trash and cups they'll give you money they'll give you a refund oh my gosh so it's just like it's that type of thing where that is built into the culture Mm -hmm. even at a punk rock show not (laughs) anyone because i i actually love punk rock myself but um you know it's like I couldn't expect the punk rockers here in in Berkeley to to clean up after a punk rock show. I I right. and it's a mess. Right but there it's just like the common good is is thought of and is taken care of and then people are incentivized to to help. And you know, everyone's happy about it. It's a win-win all around.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I heard that or we we were reading cuz we were so curious about the the culture there. Because, I mean, you'll notice that everything is priced higher than, you know, in, in other parts of Europe. And, and I think it was, like, they pay 40% income tax or something like that. But then they also make, like, a crazy amount per hour as a minimum um, wage.
2: Yeah. I was so. taken to a hot dog stand um, after the concert. Uh, my friend wanted to get a hot dog. And... and he asked the kid who was, like, 16. Huge guy looked like he was straight up right off of a Viking warship. <laughs> he's, he's the kid running the hot dog stand. He says, hey, how much do you make? And it turns out that he's making $20 an hour-ish, like, the minimum wage. Uh-huh. But, in addition, he has a pension and six weeks paid vacation.
1: Wow. So that
2: flips the whole Idea of you know here it's like you're going to end up flipping burgers for your entire life yeah. is is an insult right right but there it's like no a job's a job yeah and that changes the whole paradigm yeah so that that was really cool to to hear
1: yeah yeah and it's it also to me it was um, it struck me how sort of how sort of trustful that makes. That would make a society because nobody's saving anything right and right. so it's like everyone is you know has faith at the system where everybody's getting what they need and you know nobody's having an excess yeah. that is is working right and right. Uh, yeah yeah it, it makes for an interesting society For uh, it really does. yeah
2: it, it feels like what uh, Northern California has been aspiring to for so mm. long um, mm. Obviously, it's a very different situation in Denmark than California. Yeah. (laughs) But philosophically and, you know, on a lot of levels, it it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, just judging by people's happiness, which I think is the ultimate, um, you know, the metric for for what I'm paying attention to. And and people are happy there. And you can't argue with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah yeah it's it's neat how um old but how new the um the northern european countries feel to me
2: how old but new
1: well yeah they have like very old cultures right but they're so contemporary they're so into like you know modern stuff like they're um i don't know how to describe it they're sort of they're cutting edge in a lot of ways you know
2: Yeah, totally, totally well i feel like they've been cutting edge for a really long time even in their medieval states.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. The,
2: the Scandinavian boat building and carpentry is beyond. It's it's absolutely ridiculous what they're able to do with wood. Totally and, um, good point. Yeah. Metallurgy, blacksmithing, all that stuff. So I don't know, there's it's it's cool and I just appreciate the the integrity that they do everything with and at the same time they're actual not put on humility about everything like it's Mm. looked down upon to be um pretentious essentially
1: yeah yeah
2: or or, like gaudy so flaunting your wealth is really not respected
1: Uh uh-huh
2: i think that also evens the playing field because you know it's like then it's about the humanity not about material
1: right yeah cool place well I'm glad you get to go back again that's gonna I mean, be fun
2: we don't have a day off but it's <laughs> okay it's it's fine we're going to a lot of amazing places so no complaints here
1: yeah that's really cool so is there somewhere else that you went on last tour that like really struck you
2: oh yeah Tel Aviv hands down mm-hmm. um I'm Jewish uh mm-hmm. half Jewish on my mom's side and And, um, well, fully Jewish on my mom's side. So, (laughs) Uh and, um, you know, walking off the plane, it just felt like there was something in my body that said, you know, I'm home. And Mm. it was amazing to just feel that, that familiarity on a biological level. Mm. I'd never been there before. Um, it helped that it was warm at a time where, you know, spring is still chilly and, um, most of the places we went we had to be bundled up on some level and there it was so warm and I don't know I could just feel the history just like so much humanity happened in that place Mm. and uh that was before I even got to the concert the concert was amazing it was sold out and the biggest venue that we played on the entire tour
1: oh I think you told me about this when I saw you in
2: in London yeah uh, it's the Charles Bronfman Auditorium, I believe, is what.
1: Because you had someone who was really famous, a famous musician from Tel Aviv, come and join you, right? Am I getting yeah, this Abraham confused?
2: Tall, he's a, uh, an amazing and lovely guy who is an Israeli pop star.
1: I think that may have gotten muffled. Would you say that one more time?
2: Yeah, Abraham Tall. Abraham
1: Tall, okay.
2: and he's an Israeli pop star. He's been on, I think, like the, the Israeli version of. Uh, like The Voice or American Idol. Oh, okay. I think he was a judge on that, but he's, he's a super sweet man and I had actually fallen in love with a song that he wrote called Cold Go Go. Um, when I toured with Tina Malia, she did a cover of, of that song and it was really important to me with what I was going through in my life. Um, my my uh, ex and I had had a kid who was born and passed away Oh. disorder so I was like going through a lot of grief at the time when I toured with Tina and that song was really liberating for me it was really healing for me and, and mm. helped me grieve and so I had had this song um, as a really important part of my life for the last four years um, and then Sonatom got a message from this guy who wanted to join us for something and it was like well oh that's interesting. Who is he? Cause you know, we get requests from people all the time where they're like, can I play with you? And <laughs> as much as we'd love to play with everyone, it can be a technical nightmare. Sure. <laughs> There's so much to put together for a concert, sound checks and all. Um, but when I found out who it was, I was like, synonym, you, you should really say yes to this. This guy is, he's the real deal. And, and his music has been really important to me. And he came and sang along to um, Sonatum song, Crimson, which is super beautiful. And he mm-hmm. just has this, this like haunting voice. Uh, it just sounds ancient and has a, a beautiful wail to it. Like he, he just knows how to express himself in this, this absolutely beautiful way. And um, so that was really moving. Yeah, that was a, a great moment. But, you know, it was like 2,700 people and they had fog machines and lighting <laughs> and, um, you know, it was a, a famous venue and all that. So the whole did, experience was very well choreographed. Did
1: y'all me. use the fog machines?
2: Uh, yeah, I, it was kind of out of our control. I think normally we say don't use them just because they smell terrible. And uh-huh. <laughs> I don't remember those ones being irritating and the pictures from that concert are absolutely epic so got some mementos from it too but oh. I, I can't wait to go back again the food like oh, hummus. there's there's no hummus like <laughs> like that in in israel um and baba ghanoush and you know it it, it was a good experience and we got <laughs> to, go to yafo the the old city next to tel aviv and there's a great french bakery there and got to see the, the water and um, yeah, it, it's, it's a magnificent place. And especially in a time when, you know, the, the news that we're getting about there and other places that we've gone and are going is that of conflict and war. You know, my experience in all of these places is really that people are good. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, governments are gonna be governments and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I just, I appreciate that. The experience that I get everywhere is really loving.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And we get treated so well and I'm really grateful and feel lucky to, to have that experience.
1: Yeah, well, and I mean, look at what you guys also bring, you know, let's like, you, you attract what you, what you bring, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, okay. we just want everyone to feel the love all the time. I'm just trying to bring healing everywhere we go. So.
1: <laughs> I had a friend whose uh, brother moved to Tel Aviv. They grew up very Christian, and he decided um, to become Jewish. And he, uh, I think he, had, I think he went to college there, and he ended up marrying a woman who was from there. Um, he's been living there ever since, and he just loves it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. I've heard the same thing from him that like it's you know the. Then you know the news is very skewed. I, I think that's really important to to consider about you know all the news that we're hearing because I know that there's so much um, dismay about the state of the planet, and you know just to have that perspective of like, well, it it's it's what sells, you know, not what's true.
2: Yeah, like I fear think that sells. That's important to remember, especially if, I mean, for me, trying to stay sane and happy in my own life. Um, there's a lot of things in the world that are really upsetting, very genuinely upsetting.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then what I can do is look locally and see what my actual experience is. And my, my experience is that people are good. Yeah. And, you know, tragedy happens and, and awful things happen too. But um, as far as I can tell, the world is getting better. Like, we, I agree. We are actually <laughs> getting along better now than nearly any other time in the past Mm -hmm. there are things that are a lot louder and scarier than we've experienced before at least in you know our generation but I don't think it means that things are going to hell. you know Mm -hmm. it's it's an opportunity for healing and an opportunity to actually love each other better and and you know be kinder
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and I think that's that's the choice is in the face of things that are happening what are you going to do are you going to you know be upset and live your life upset or are you going to be happy and try to be as loving and kind to everyone as you can Mm -hmm. because I think that's where the change is that's where progress is made
1: yeah yeah and you know as we're presented with with it 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 tests that ability Mm -hmm. so much more yeah yeah, it's like one thing to be peaceful at the yoga retreat, but can you be peaceful? Yeah,
2: <laughs> in exactly. traffic. If you're enlightened, go spend a month with your in-laws, or <laughs> the exact quote. But um, yeah, you know, some people have also said, you know, the Dalai Lama would be having a very different experience if if he lived in a double-wide trailer and had five kids. <laughs> and I think that's important to remember. Is, is
1: yeah,
2: you know practically for like it's great to be spiritual but ultimately we were a social animal and it's like what does it mean for our interactions with other people is it is it uplifting yourself in the world or is it isolating you and and making you feel other and making other people feel other Mm -hmm. and yeah I think there's there's a lot to be said about the The everyday hero who is, you know, the moms who spend days, months being miserable, being pregnant, and would do everything to make sure that their kids are healthy and safe. Mm -hmm. That's that's where the the heroism and the the spiritual superstars are. To me, is the mom. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's interesting, but I think I think that was a shift for me too. Is, um, you know we have, we have the the blessing of, so, you know, of knowing, for example, Sonata, or, you know, you know, all these like, you know, beautiful spiritual teachers. And when you realize that they're people too, you know, and you don't put them on this pedestal of like, well, they're spiritual, I'm not, you know, they've attained something I haven't. Um, I think that was really powerful for me to realize that you know, you can have this amazing presence and capacity and also be a human being. And actually, your being human enhances your practice and your ability to help people or hold space.
2: Absolutely. Malcolm Gladwell has a really great book that just came out called Talking to Strangers. And uh, he talks about how we we're actually putting too much pressure on other people to not be human and in turn ourselves mm-hmm. to not be human. And and I feel like, I mean, being raised in Eastern philosophy from, from a Western perspective, it's really easy to not get the philosophy at all mm-hmm. because we're coming from a di- completely different place. And um, I, I think it's really important just to, remember that the point of the spirituality is to to be able to deal with life like not to avoid it Mm -hmm. so for me that includes the fact like i've had to deal with the fact that i'm going to have hard feelings and i spent a lot of time and feel like i was taught basically that anger and sadness are not okay like not a conscious teaching but like Mm -hmm you know, it's really easy to say, oh yeah, do a Kriya and you won't have an ego anymore. Well, no, like do your yoga and, and help uplift yourself, but you're going to have an ego and it's a good thing.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And similarly, being able to have my feelings in real time to actually acknowledge, oh, I'm angry right now. What do I need to do about it? Oh, I'm sad right now. And let it, let it happen rather than having to force myself into a perceived box of appropriate uh, interaction and expression and so I feel like I mean that's what I'm actively working on healing up myself is is just allowing myself to be as human as possible mm-hmm. and and simultaneously be kind because because having hard feelings is isn't an excuse to not behave well and that's <laughs> that's the crux of it is like it's It's so easy in our society to uh, take in the programming of having having a good reason to behave poorly is not the same as behaving well that's that's what i I would take out of it' it's, yeah. it's really easy to believe that i 'll behave well until I have a good reason not to, and then I can be a jerk on the freeway or whatever and <laughs> right right. The, right. so the the flip of that is like no you can have hard feelings and still be really kind too they're mm-hmm. not really exclusive
1: i think for me that comes you know tell me how, how you do this but for me it comes with just feeling like i'm worthy of having some space or you know like saying no to something if i really don't feel like doing it because um i think sometimes i can resent people for doing things for them that I don't actually want to do, which is really unfair,
2: you know? Sure. Yeah. I mean it's really easy. I've found myself I think maybe the the times when I'm the most angry are the times when I've agreed to do something that I know I'm not going to be able to do well. Mm And then find out that I was right. (laughs) And it's like it's so upsetting. So being able to say no to the things that, you know, I'm I'm if I'm setting myself up for failure, then, and failure, not in a, a judgmental way, but just a, like not meeting my own standard, uh-huh. then maybe I should choose not to do it. Right. Yeah. And, and actually that being the kinder option. Um, and yeah, I, I think you're right. Like giving yourself the, the validation that, that it's okay to have your authentic response. Like it's all good. No problem. Yeah.
1: Yeah, isn't it interesting? Do you find like a lot of people are are sort of having these these realizations? I've I've been talking to you know a lot of people, um, you know, musicians, but also just people in in the yoga community and in different communities about you know this whole idea of like um, being authentic.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I I sit in a medicine community in the Bay Area, um, and we, we really sit with, with specifically those, that teaching of, of good behavior. Like mm-hmm. everything comes down to good behavior mm-hmm. and the reality that good behavior is um, self-adjudicated. Like we're the own, we're our own judge of what good behavior is. Mm-hmm. Ultimately. Um, so I'm surrounded by a lot of people who are all going through the exact same thing. And I, I do think that we're collectively working on it. We're, Mm -hmm. we're collectively trying to figure out and be validated. Like we need reminders (laughs) that, that yes, even how you are right now is okay too. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're constantly looking for exceptions or at least I am. I Mm -hmm. find my brain going to, well, this is one of those times where it's different. Right. Mm. And it's like, no, actually, this also is a time where you can be loving to yourself, and this is a time where you're it's actually okay to have that feeling mm, and mm-hmm. have that thought like none of it is bad it is it's the humanity it is it's what you're here to do, mm-hmm. so being in non opposition to yourself and to reality, i wouldn't say it's enlightenment, but it certainly lightens the load
1: mm-hmm. yeah, well, and the yeah, and the more authentic you're being, the more connected you are. So, I mean, in a way, it it is it is the path to spiritual enlightenment. I feel.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess the the term enlightenment to it's me sort of
1: loaded, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's loaded. <laughs> and, and it implies that there's some liberation. Like that that enlightenment means that I'm not going to have hard feelings anymore.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah, or that. Well, it's sort of it's sort of seems like, um, an end state sort of word where there's not going to be that, you know, it's not like you're going to arrive somewhere one day and go, everything's going to be easy from now on, you know?
2: Right. I mean, it's like, yeah, the earth is still getting hotter. Animals are dying. Relatives are dying. We're dying. Like (laughs) it's all going away. It's all pretty upsetting. So yeah, the enlightenment, I guess is, is the, um, not being, not adding to the suffering of those experiences, like mm-hmm. actually being able to perceive tragedy with gratitude and mm-hmm. hard times with gratitude, being able to experience them as human experience without judgment that they are bad. Um, I mean, that's that's the closest I can think of, mm-hmm. um, having not gotten there. <laughs> 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 um, I mean yeah, it's like things are still, things are going to be as upsetting as they are. And I, I always want them to be easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not ungrateful or resentful about what I've experienced too.
0: Do you
1: feel like talking about the, the ceremony that, that you were sure. talking about? I'm curious.
2: Yeah. So, um, I sit in, a, it's a Native American church and, um, the medicines have been passed down in a good way from south america and through uh, north america the, the lakota people and then the quechua people in south america so the the medicines that that i partake of on a regular basis it's called san pedro huachuma
1: oh okay yeah yeah
2: so it was a it is a sacrament in peru and um the quechua people when they were being conquered by the Spanish, basically, uh, you know, the, the Spanish Christians were forcing Christianity on the native people who worshiped this plant because mm. it, it brought them happiness. And so when the Quechua people saw the Christian iconography, they saw St. Peter holding the keys to the kingdom and they went, oh, that's this, that's this medicine. <laughs> that's why Wachuma is now called San Pedro. Ah. Um, and they were able to maintain their dignity and their happiness while their, their civilization was being wiped out. And um, yeah, you know, they were, they were forced to convert to Christianity and change, change all their ways, but they still maintained uh, a happiness and a, a gratitude for their lives so um you know the medicine was given to us in a really good way and you know we're constantly working to uh, you know not appropriate but use the use the tools that that these plants offer to help change our lives so i think on a on a scientific level it's basically i mean it, it's helping my own neuroplasticity so that i can re- reprogram my thoughts from distressing ones to basically asking for help in prayer. So that's been like, that's that's the even more local thing that I can work on is what I'm thinking about because my thinking, my thoughts have such an effect on my feeling state, which then in turn has an effect on my thinking state, vice versa and how I express myself to the world. So um, since my son passed uh, in, what, 20, what year is it now? It's it was
1: 2014
2: when he passed in April. So in October, I sat in my first ceremonies and I've been doing it, like when I'm not on tour, it's almost every single week, every Saturday. Um, and I've learned a ton and absolutely nothing at the same time. Um, but I know that my my mental state is totally different now than when I arrived. So that's, that's the change that I can see. And, you know, I've seen people heal up severe PTSD. Um, George Bertelstein, who holds the altar, um, he was a Vietnam vet, came back from Vietnam with severe PTSD and drug and alcohol addiction. And, um, you know, found sweat lodge and, and plant medicine. And his he's the happiest person I know. He's, um, what, 72 now. Mm -hmm. And like, just seems to be getting younger. And, uh, he, he actually has a, a really great book called a clear and simple prayer, which I'd recommend to everyone. Um, it's really practical teachings and, uh, you know, I call them teachings, but they're, they're really just expressions of what he has heard and learned through, ceremony and through his own writing and, and process or so lack
1: it's a, a clear and simple prayer yeah, by
2: simple prayer by George Bertelstein.
0: George Bertelstein.
2: okay yeah and um, yeah ceremonies are open to anyone who comes in a good way uh, and
1: what you know. um, where are you living now
2: so I live in a little town called Benicia California okay. it's north it's like Technically the East Bay, but it's north of the Berkeley and Oakland area. I okay. actually cross, cross the Bay Delta to get to where I live um, but I basically I'm, I'm 30 minutes from Oakland So okay. uh, and
1: is that where the church is? Where did you say the church, church?
2: Is, is on the border of Berkeley and Oakland? Okay. Uh, so
1: and if you're in Oakland or
2: Berkeley Or that, that area come, they, they come from all over the world like there, there are a couple of people who have come from Egypt. There are people who oh, come wow. from Russia and Ireland and all over the place. So, you know, it's it's definitely a, a place of healing and um, medicinepath.org is the website. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's where I spend every Saturday that I can. Um, Neat. And, you know, has helped me become a happier person for sure.
1: What is one of the the experiences look like like when you walk in
2: well that's a good question um it honestly it's the the process is going from having all of your thoughts that are um your normal thoughts that you've brought in from the street and from your life and the perceptions of uh separation and being less than or greater than or you know any way, in any way different from anyone else. And by the end of the day, you love every single person who's in the room, every single person who's alive pretty much. And you have a, a good wish for everyone. Mm. Um, it's not, uh, debilitating in the way that some plant medicines are. I've actually played weddings and had to do, you know, work stuff. Uh, I've had to leave ceremony early to do that. Um, it's, it's not, a uh, traumatic experience it's mm-hmm. not for me a scary experience like mm-hmm. very loving and heart opening and really it's there's not a whole lot that happens you have have medicine in the form of a tea and and it heals your life basically
1: so you you all sit like in a circle or yeah yeah, yeah. and then you pass it and you talk or is it done in silence
2: uh there are prayers that are made um it, it's there's the sitting in circle with each other there's a, a Lakota word called um, pochuka which mm-hmm. means praying as a group of people or I believe even breathing as a group of people okay. um, it may be the literal translation but um, yeah that in and of itself you know praying with other people is is a healing modality mm-hmm. so it's it's many medicines combined there's the plant medicine but there's the the people that you're with too and yeah, you sit, sit in a circle and you, you get to have your cup of medicine and make a prayer. And what, what they teach is that the easiest way to pray is, or, you know, the way that they teach to pray, I won't say the easiest, um, is to say what you're grateful for, say what's troubling you and ask for help. Yeah. And obviously, that is where my brain turns every time now that I'm in distress about something is like refocus back to gratitude, specify what's troubling me and ask for help. And sometimes it's, I don't know what's going on and I need help.
1: Mm-hmm. Like it
2: doesn't have to be even all that specific. And just that process can defuse the spiral of weird thoughts that can happen from mm-hmm. a distressing event. So it's helpful on many, 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 many levels. And um, There's a a feast at the end of the ceremony and, you know, everyone everyone loves each other. And, you know, we have people who have gone to Harvard and um, people from all walks of life. It's like, it's really not denominational in any way. It's not dogmatic. Um, And yeah, everybody's welcome. Cool.
1: So that's medicinepath.org, you said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. If I'm ever up in the in that area, which I've I never have been, but (laughs) if I am, I'll come check it out.
2: Yeah, it's the most wonderful people, and a lot of really great musicians too, who have all a lot of people who have passed through, 3HO and Kundalini Yoga, are passing through Medicine Hmm. Path.
1: How how did you come to, to know about this?
2: So um, during the process of the pregnancy with my son, uh, I was touring with Naringen Carr and huh. Matthew cleaning. And Matthew was actually um, a pipe carrier in the Lakota way and said, you know, we, we basically made prayers regularly on tour and it helped, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like, the, the clear help was right there. I mm-hmm. said, oh, this is helping you so much. You live 20 minutes away from where these ceremonies happen. You should go. Mm. So when I got home, I made a phone call and actually got counseling from George first. He's a brilliant counselor and therapist um, and the president of the, of the churches as well, Jeff Wright. Um, they're both incredible counselors. Um, and got counsel and then went, you know, I'm going to come to a ceremony. And George said, I think you're going to like it. And I did (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Now I kind of don't want to be doing anything else on a, on a free Saturday. (laughs) So it was, it was pretty miraculous how it happened and, and like really nicely choreographed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One of the other things that, um, so actually this is funny, but obviously you've heard of ayahuasca. Um, is I hear a lot of people's experiences of ayahuasca. And I've been told on numerous occasions that someone has heard my music played at an ayahuasca ceremony, <laughs> probably something from the album we did. I have,
2: I have never uh, participated in an ayahuasca ceremony, though.
1: Yeah, it's, it's brought it sort of into my, to my consciousness, but as I ask people about it, um, it doesn't sound very fun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, ego death is not necessarily enjoyable. Um, but, you know, liberation might be.
1: Um, yeah, it's the throwing up. That yeah, doesn't sound fun. <laughs> so
2: that's interesting because lot there's, there's a very direct correlation to feeling like we need to control things and the fear of throwing up. Huh. Of throwing up is that it is surrendering to this giant process that's happening in your body. Like having a baby, you can't go back. Right. It has to come out. So similarly, throwing up, we call it getting well, it's, it's a healing process because you're actually, especially when you have the medicine in your body, uh-huh. you're, you're pro- reprogramming your brain to actually surrender and to give up control and to trust that you're safe, mm. that your body knows what it's doing, the medicine knows what it's doing, like your relationship with your creator, it's all good.
1: So have and, you had that experience where you've thrown up?
2: yeah, I've thrown up before I mean in, in medicine, yeah Ah, oh, okay. Um, not obviously not ayahuasca, but um there are you know the the plant medicines uh they're very bitter in general
1: oh, and, yeah yeah
2: um, you know, peyote specifically has uh I think the flowers of the buds of the the cactus actually have a little arsenic in them, oh, so okay. you know the the western gut is not exactly thrilled all the time about taking in copious amounts of this medicine Uh Um, and you know people can have a a response to it but at the same time it's there's an emotional and spiritual side to it which which is that you know we, we suffer a lot because of our need to control things that we right and so letting go is the healing being able to throw up is the healing and and you know maybe getting to the point where you can actually look forward to it
1: right that's interesting well I mean I've definitely had experiences in my life that other people have been like why would you do that but you know to me it was like well it felt good right um yeah
2: I think I've heard similar things about having babies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I loved, so my, my first birth, not so fun, but the second one, I mean, it was like, it was awesome. It's like, right. let's, after I did it, I was like, let's do that again.
2: <laughs> there you go.
1: So yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's a really great insight about control. That's something that, um, cause I, my, my spiritual journey has led me to, um, working with, a. A channel um, and uh, that's the that's like the main synthesis of you know those teachings is like um, total acceptance and you know yeah. the release of control
2: totally totally there's a lot of liberation in, in that I mean there's just so little that we're actually in control of and and yeah. we're not even very good at being in control of the things that are our responsibility to be right in. So I think the relief of even just like the the intellectual complex of responsibility and control is a huge relief for the mind. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just like, it it seems like the answer to to every situation in life is basically soften, open, and allow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, doing the opposite is just going to make things harder, closed off, and And more painful,
1: right?
2: And sometimes the pain—we have to go through the pain, but the pain's not bad. It's just part of the part of the deal,
1: right? Right, yeah. They would say the pain is just showing us that we have a limited perspective.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and maybe it's—I like to think that everything that I get to experience in my life is here for good reason and is something to be grateful for. Mm And um, yeah be, I, I remember having a bodywork session when before my son, son was born and I you know I was terrified because we didn't know how long he would live if he would live at all like mm-hmm. we really didn't know um, and so I was doing some body work and there was some painful point like under my ribs mm-hmm. that just felt like it felt like you know where where you would in in ancient days stab someone with a spear you know if you wanted to. oh yeah yeah just like my life is is that close like a little hole right there and it's it's done so in that vulnerability I, I really felt this this gratitude for pain and kind of going oh pain is the worst thing I can experience like yeah. that's it that's it so if pain's the worst thing then it's not that bad right because right. here it is you know, I've already experienced some of the most painful things. Yeah. Okay, here we are.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, the only, the the negative consequence that we fear about everything is how we're, how badly we'll feel about it, right? Right. Yeah, it's like the only fear we, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a meta (laughs) meta about it. And so just letting letting things happen. Obviously, we have very complex lives. God knows I have mm-hmm. how many albums I'm mixing and recording right now. <laughs> A lot to keep track of. And at the same time, I'm trying to balance that with, like, you know, I, I can only do what I can do. Yeah. And I'll try to be as responsible to my response, the things that I've agreed to do as I can be, and ask for help where I need it, and otherwise not worry about things because the worrying just feels awful
1: yeah do um I had a question about uh what you just brought up about the that uh, slipped away it was good too anyway <laughs> next well, time
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah thank you so much for um for taking time and doing this I um would you like to tell People, how they can you know find out more about you or sure. find you?
2: Yeah, I have a, a website that uh, needs to be updated severely. Uh, Ram Ramdas, R A M D A S S Music dot yes. So I'm the, I was the other white Ramdas, and now I'm the, <gasps> I'm the one.
1: Oh yeah,
2: um, yeah. I've seen my name on Facebook and the news more than any other time in my life lately. Yeah um yeah ramdasmusic.com ramdas with two s's and i'm on facebook uh ramdas music i think and then twitter ramdas instagram ramdas music i'm on all the platforms mm-hmm. and yeah i do audio engineering music production recording editing mixing mastering and um, instrumentals and backing vocals and basically if it's music i do it <laughs> So, yeah.
1: Sings, plays all the instruments.
2: <laughs> I I play most some some of the instruments. I do not play bowed strings well at all, and I would not even feign to. But yeah, yeah.
1: Awesome! Thank you so much, us. Have a great day. Thank
2: you so much for having me. Can't wait to talk to you again. Yeah. Bye.